we see the continuation of the execution of the plan of God for the building of this wonderful tent of meeting, meeting place where God would come and dwell in the midst of his people. Elaborate instructions, then the appointment of the people who would carry out the work. We saw the people who would head the work in Bezalel or Bezalel in Haliab. We noted how the names together mean that the Father is coming to his tent and we're under his shadow. Very appropriate names for the people who God appointed. And we imagined how it would be like to have God single out a person or call out a few people by name to do his work. What a thrill and what an awe. And uh, what a fear of God that would come upon people who would try to usurp the position that God had given to someone, specifically calling them by name. And the people rallied behind God's chosen who would supervise the work as well as labor. Exodus 36 and Bezalel and Haliab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for this service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. The body of Christ much like Israel, we're given tasks. Sometimes God calls by name for a specific task. Other times he makes an open request for whoever would be willing. What an insight into the prophet that can come for our souls when we understand who's doing the calling, making the request, and how privileged we would be to answer that. We often think about a president. We often think about a VIP in the eyes of man giving us a call. And all of a sudden we're put in the spotlight and limelight. in associating with someone who is famous and or rich and or powerful and so many people would be so thrilled to be associated with that individual we get the phone call to come and serve how many people who are tapped for a special place to serve at the White House these great rewards would not feel special. This is coming from not just the court of heaven or the courts of heaven like the courtyard of the tabernacle but it's coming from the throne the throne room the throne room of God 
God himself calling. So he called these people, the appointed leaders, and he made this request that was willing should bring. What's required for the building, the construction of the sanctuary? Then Moses called Bezalel and Ahaliab, verse 2 of Exodus 36, and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. We need the wisdom of God to do the work of God. And for that wisdom, we need to fear the Lord and be humble. Ask Him. There's a burning conversation that is continually happening in the heart of one who really fears God. The conversation is with God and with oneself. There's a desire saying, God, fill me, fill me, fill me. Help me, Lord. Take away every dross in my life, Lord. How can I serve you except you sanctify me? Help me, Jesus. At the same time, there's also a self-talk in which the person says to himself or herself, you're specially chosen to serve the living God, to be the light wherever you are placed, representing Him. You're specially gifted by God and your gifts are developed and more power and authority and gifts are waiting from God Almighty. But you've got to be loyal. There's a self-talk that must happen. You've got to be loyal. You've got to shake yourself out of that stupor and sleep where you think you can get by being a Christian who is trying to do the bare minimum. There's an awareness that this grieves God so much. There's also a shame that how can I do this? How can I not give God my best? Those people would be called higher because they have a diligence and a sense of calling. Not a self-call, but a God call. The people who came willingly with their gifts brought so much that they were told to stop. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Ahaliab, or Ahaliab, and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. How many times have you seen someone on a picnic morning, a family get-together, a reunion, an outing with the church even, I remember being a camp counselor at the age of 16 or so for the church summer program for the kids. And how people come and rally at 7.45, 8 o'clock in the morning on summer days ready for an adventure the kids going to various locations to visit during the summer vacation. 
the parents would come faithfully to drop off the kids and then pick them up faithfully every afternoon. And they'd be eager to provide the lunch and the soda cans and whatever they used to take at that time. Eager to give that extra money for the attractions. They've got everything covered. There's a pride and a joy and a responsibility to do the best for my child. People do all sorts of things. They're on the ready. They get up early to go biking, to go swimming, to go running. And people stay up late to catch a talk show host, their favorite. And all hours of the day, some are stuck on sports radio. They're eager. They can't wait. These people were eager to get to work for God. Hallelujah. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In the New King James Version, it says, So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. They didn't stop giving. There was an overflow because the Spirit, as we read multiple times, it was written in the previous chapter, that the men and the women were stirred in their hearts. They were mobilized. They saw God is calling. It's time to act. What a privilege. What an honor. I'm going to bring my best. They didn't consider the losses. But they thought about the blessing of being called to be a partaker of this heavenly work. What kind of work? What do you suppose people be called to do when God calls them to be in his army? When God calls them to be great in his sight? Attaching curtains? Making linen? getting the bars of the tabernacle together, basic construction. We noted how even to a pin or a clasp, the moment it was dedicated to God and formed for the service of God, it became holy. Have we ever considered that anything God would have us do, anything that he calls us to do, is not only sacred, but it is glorious. Hallelujah. Nothing is menial in the sight of God when He calls someone for work. Glory be to God. And those who are faithful and who love God, like Joshua, <clears throat> who didn't mind carrying Moses' bag, as it were, in his water bottle. In other words, he was serving the servant of God. He had no problem thinking like Gehazi, when is my turn? 
No. He loved God. He loved Moses. And he served the people of God in the capacity God gave him. God saw this man is fit to lead. We've also heard recently that the best leader happens to be the best follower before he becomes or she becomes the best leader. Only the best follower of God, humble, obedient, faithful in what God has given, not grumbling, complaining, saying, do I have to do this now? And Can I take some days off? And God is a little too much now. Can you find somebody else, please? All that the devil will bring. You need to understand the source and say, I'd be a fool to give up the job that God gave me to do. Hallelujah. And eagerly continued that. Verse 4 of Exodus 36. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. It just keeps on coming. Carloads and truckloads of stuff. We have plenty, Moses. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were, were restrained from being, bringing. You know the Spirit of God is working powerfully when people can't help but give and give and give and give. For God's service. For God's service to glorify Him. They delighted joy in giving. The world says when you give, you lose. So watch out how you give because you may end up with nothing. In God's kingdom, the more you give, the more you gain. Hallelujah. The more you give, the more room you need to make to get more to give. Because like the cycles that we're used to reading about in our ecosystem, the water cycle and other cycles, there's a constant cause and effect. There's a constant flow, a sequence in the heavenly realm where as we keep on giving, God keeps on pouring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Overflow. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Certain people are anointed to do certain things. But the entire people of Israel were filled with the spirit of giving. Hallelujah. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Even to the point of spinning yarn. How is that serving God? Building his house. Whatever talent God gives us. Whatever he calls for us to do. These men that were chosen and all the women, they were single hearted. They had a single eye, as Jesus says. A singular vision that what I put my effort and energy into will be done for the Most High and I see the connection, hallelujah. I'm part of the army of the living God. And if He wants me to connect one rod to another, that's what I'll do joyfully because it's for His glory. Then all the gifted artisans among them who worked on the tabernacle, Exodus 36, 8, made ten curtains woven of fine linen and of blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim they made them. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits. And the width of each curtain, four cubits. We don't deal with cubits, but roughly a cubit would be about 18 inches or so. The measurement here in the New Living Translation is 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Ten curtains. The tabernacle, the courtyard included, was about 150 by 75 feet. You see already, ten curtains, six feet wide. Five of these curtains were joined together to make one long curtain. And the other five were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops of blue yarn and put them along the edge of the last curtain in each set. Five to a set. Joined together by these loops. The 50 loops along the edge of one curtain matched the 50 loops along the edge of the other curtain. The Bible is a treasure. You see artistry 
craftsmanship, woodworking skills, all kinds of metal, skilled people, anointed people making linen and curtains and clasps, loops. You see, fashion design from heaven, work of rich embroidery and colorful patterns with the engraving and the embroidery of heavenly creatures. What a glorious work. Where heaven meets earth, mortals are involved in immortal work. Glory be to God. Building the house of God, the kingdom of God, the church of God is no small task nor menial. Glorious activity mobilized by the Holy Spirit. Each one does the part and God takes note of everyone's desire to offer their sacrifices and their gifts and abilities in this service of building God's kingdom and the local church to which they belong is a way of building the kingdom of God. The church where they are nurtured and fed and grown to be a part of the army of God and the work of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The desire, God looks for the desire. He doesn't want to enlist people who are reluctant. That's not his first choice at all. When it comes to this open-ended request, anybody can come and bring the materials necessary, your service, for certain things. You can sign up. God looks for willing hearts. And He also looks for true hearts who will be faithful to do what they signed up for and not bow out in the middle. He had a big problem with Dan the tribe of Dan because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. He had a problem with Ephraim. God watches. And then he sees people who continually faithfully do what they're called to do and they do it cheerfully and there's no hypocrisy. There's no comparison and wanting to look good and that's all about the Lord. You can know for sure the reason the work went forward so powerfully once they repented, God's Spirit began to move is because people came with a sincere desire and they came with diligence to complete the work. And they understood it was a sacred duty. And that's why in our church we emphasize 
This is God's house. This is God's house. There's nothing here that is ordinary or insignificant. Why? Because God is the God of this house. El Bethel. Elohim. Bet. Elohim. Or El Bethel. God of the house of God. He's in charge. Everything is important. Hallelujah. Then he made the 50 gold clasps and fastened the long curtains together with the clasps. Exodus 36 and verse 13. In this way, the tabernacle was made of one continuous piece. He made 11 curtains of goat hair cloth to serve as a tent covering for the tabernacle. These 11 curtains were all exactly the same size. 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. Yet some that were 42 and 6. This is 45 and 6. Bezalel joined five of these curtains together to make one long curtain. The other six were joined to make a second long curtain. Noah was building exactly how God told him to build that ark. Day after day. Working. Crafting. The parts. This great vessel that was going to house them. And the animals God would bring to Noah to bring into the ark. Well, the entire world will be drowned and done away with. God's glory, God's presence, God's judgment, something new. Anytime God calls us to work for Him, is up to something big, something good, great and glorious. Hallelujah. Bezalel joined five of these curtains together to make one long curtain, and the other six were joined to make a second long curtain. He made 50 loops for the edge of each large curtain. If you'd like, you can go online. As some of you have certainly done. And compare the diagrams that you find concerning this tabernacle to become one with what God has spoken here. Gone into great detail to get a visual to understand also the symbolism and the foreshadowing of these things pointing to the living God, Jesus Christ. He also made 50 bronze clasps to fasten the long curtains together. In this way, the tent covering was made of one continuous piece. He completed the tent covering with a layer of tanned ram skins and a layer of fine goatskin leather. For the framework of the tabernacle Bezalel constructed frames of 
acacia wood. Now it says in the New King James Version, ram skins dyed red and the covering of badger skins above that. It's been speculated that this badger description may mean some sea creature. We mentioned that the other day. But also some other kind of leather. And that's why we have the different descriptions for the badger skins. For the tabernacle, he made boards of acacia wood standing upright. It wasn't just curtains hanging around with some rods, but boards. The length of each board was ten cubits, and the width of each board a cubit and a half. They were made in such a way that they could deconstruct them when they had to move, when the cloud moved. They were reorganized under the direction of God directing Moses how to take down the tabernacle to move when God moved and then to set up the tabernacle again when God said stay their lives depended upon the movement of God what a glory how can we ever go wrong when we move when God moves and we stay still when he says stay still Hallelujah. When we're active, when God expects activity because he told us to work, and then he says there's Shabbat or Sabbath, you need to stop. Hallelujah. The calendar, the Jewish calendar, the commandments and the prescription for daily life, not just seasonal, every aspect of their lives was under the watchful eye and guidance and command of the supreme commander, the Lord God Almighty, who is also their king and heavenly father. Glory be to God. What a wonderful life to have God lead every aspect of one's life. The tabernacle was a big part of it. And it gave them that understanding God is in our midst. We look to Him and follow Him. That's about it. In that, His glory comes. And we are different from all the nations of the world. Not because we're saying it. God said it. And so for the believer, so special. So special. Can we ever realize how special we are? to be called God's children and given the exceeding great privilege to be a living tabernacle walking with God sitting on the throne of our hearts. Glory be to God. Verse 21, the length of each board was 10 cubits and the width of each board a cubit and a half. Each board had two tenons for binding one to another kind of a joint or joining support thus he made for all the boards of the tabernacle this amazing parallel 
the tabernacle was the house of God. And in the New Testament, it says, we're God's house if we hold fast the confidence we had from the beginning unto the end. The same hope. He says, we are God's house. I mentioned yesterday of his flesh and of his bones. Of Jesus' flesh and of Jesus' bones. We are members. And so, much like these tenons and these clasps and every part of the tabernacle, was a sacred possession, dwelling place of God. So our bodies belong to God. We are dwelling places for the living God. Every part of us. Every part of us is actually sacred the moment we get justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We're made the house of God, individually and corporately. And every part of us, every part of our body is holy. So God said. Thus he made for all the boards of the tabernacle. And he made boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side, 40 sockets of silver he made to go under the 20 boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. And for the other side of the tabernacle, the north side, he made 20 boards, and there, 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. For the west side of the tabernacle, he made six boards. He also made two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. And they were coupled at the bottom and coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus he made both of them for the two corners. So there were eight boards in their sockets, 16 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. The instructions are so clear that people have made replicas of the tabernacle, life-size. And one of the famous, perhaps the most famous, is in a place called Timnah Park in Israel. And people go and they tour. And uh, they'll have guides who will explain, sometimes believers in Christ, not just Old Testament believers or believers in the Old Testament Jewish people but Messianic believers and they draw the parallel and explain these wonderful things while the people get to see a replica as far as people can reproduce according to this kind of description that portable tabernacle and it's been said that the grade or the quality of the materials increase in value and glory and splendor as you go from the outside of the tabernacle into the tabernacle itself right into the holy place in the most holy place 
Thus he made both of them for the two corners. Verse 30 of Exodus 36. So there were eight boards in their sockets, 16 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. And he made bars of acacia wood, five of the boards on the one side of the tabernacle. There are at least two kinds of descriptions for the tabernacle, or two kinds of renderings that uh, people who study this and tried to replicate it. As far as the roof, some believe it was kind of a V-shaped, upside-down V-shaped, if you will, a meeting of uh, each side of the roof at a point. Others believe it was more of an open uh, roof that was flat. Open meaning flat and not joined as uh, you would find in a uh, rooftop in some of the older houses. which was more typical in contrast with the various designs today for houses. The descriptions are given here for a fairly good idea of the size the structure. These five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle and the five bars for the boards of the tabernacle on the far side westward. And he made the middle bar to pass through the boards from one end to the other. It's amazing when you can just read the word as it is, even without commentary or visuals. To use our imagination that God has given us in a sanctified way and to visualize within ourselves even without seeing a picture. There's a great value in that kind of self-discovery. And then when you have diligently looked at the word, word for word, what God has given regarding this tabernacle, which is important to us as believers, then you see the artist's rendering or the people who construct these things to replicate or duplicate it, be able to see whether it's faithful to what has been written and whether it gives a greater clarity and gives that joy that this is what I imagined. And look, they've reproduced it. And how rich the symbolism of each part of the tabernacle for us as believers pointing to the living Christ. Verse 34 he overlaid the boards with gold, made their rings of gold to be holders for the bars, and overlaid the bars with gold. Hallelujah. And he made a veil of blue, purple, scarlet thread, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It was worked with an artistic design of cherubim. He made for it four pillars of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold with their hooks of gold. He made for it four pillars of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold with their hooks of gold and he cast four sockets of silver for them. He also made a screen 
for the tabernacle door of blue, purple, and scarlet thread. You see the repetition in the same order. Blue, purple, scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. The fine woven linen is thought to be white. Then the red, scarlet thread, the purple, the blue. We mentioned already how the blue stands for celestial or heaven. The purple, royalty or king. The scarlet for blood or humanity. And the white for purity, holiness. And how from heaven came the king, Jesus, to shed his blood on the cross to make us completely pure with his blood. So you see the repetition of these colors, this fine thread, made by a weaver and its five pillars with their hooks, and he overlaid their capitals and their rings with gold, but their five sockets were bronze. God had very clear instructions and divine prerogative, his reasons for choosing the materials, and we see a pattern that as we get closer to his glorious presence in the most holy place, the materials take on the highest value. We see the description of God's appearance by the prophets throughout the Bible. We see at times that underneath him was, as it were, a paved work of sapphire. And clear in blueness, like heaven, like the sky. When we read the word of God and we continually ask God, Lord, what does it mean? We have a desire to, not just to have knowledge that's interesting, but to know that my soul is drawn to God. To digest this revelation and then understand what it is prophetically for my life. And to see how the sanctification is so deep and how God's revelation is so wide to include me in the knowledge of this great work of God in the tabernacle and in our lives individually to become all that God calls us to be. We're going to take a few moments to pray. And I trust that what the Lord's communicated this morning has not only enriched you, but actually imparted something to you to cling to the Lord Jesus and love Him and to praise Him all the more because He is great and glorious. And all of this foreshadowing in the tabernacle that we read about is pointing to our position in a mansion, room, in the Father's house, where there will be glory unsurpassed and joy unspeakable. In the interim, reading about the tabernacle of yesterday, as well as the temple later on, but still in the past, and then the future temple 
where God is the temple, and there's no need for light because He is the light, the Lamb is the light. In the interim, we have God's glory resting upon us because we are the tabernacle of God. Glory be to God. Let's go ahead and pray. A few of you can pray. Praise God.